the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here and even more delighted that you have chosen to listen. This is a show where I speak to leaders, experts, innovators and game changers to look at ways that we can help you improve your driving school and potentially become an even more awesome instructor. And today, of course, is no different. We are joined by former ADI, current bookkeeper and author, David Shannon, and we are talking about business plans, tax, and why we should potentially put more attention to what car we actually get as driving instructors. But that's what's coming up on today's show. And just before we dive in, I just want to take a moment to remind you to click subscribe wherever you are listening to whether that's Spotify, Apple, or Google, or anywhere else. Click subscribe to whatever release new or bonus episodes they drop straight into your feed. And if you're feeling kind enough on those platforms, go and leave us a nice little five-star review if you're feeling particularly generous. But for now, let's dive into the show. So this week on the Instructor Podcast, I am joined by Dave Shannon, who is a former ADI. He is the owner of Driverhead Bookkeeping, and he wrote the book, Are You Ready for Business? So how are we doing, Dave? Yeah, great, Terry. Thank you very much. You? Uh, all the best for your smiley face. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on, uh, especially after I've quite recently read your book and took an awful lot from it. But before we get into that, and I do want to get into that, but before we do, I'd like to ask all my guests uh, a very challenging question to begin with, which is uh, the tagline for this show is that I speak to leaders, experts, innovators, and game changers. I'm just wondering which one or ones are you? Leader, expert, innovator, or game changer? Um, I'd like to say expert. So expert in what? <laughs> um, an expert in knowing what's involved in terms of uh, delivering good advice to, to driving instructors and to my clients in general. Um, yeah, good financial sound advice. Excellent. Um I'm uh, very impressed with a number of people that regard themselves as experts at the minute because uh, there's a bit of a bit of a fuss online recently about that word, and I, I quite like the fact that people are holding <laughs> up to being an expert in a specific thing. Um, so, as I said, I, you know, you you wrote the book. I, uh, are you ready for business? And and I got stuck into that recently, and I enjoyed it, and it it got me thinking about some of the stuff I wish I'd known at the time when I first mm-hmm. become an instructor. And I think I even said to you, I wish I'd had this book when I, I first become an instructor. And yeah. it would have stopped me making some of the mistakes I made. So I, I kind of want to ask you the question, sort of thinking back to when you were an ADI, what was the biggest mistake do you think you made as a driving instructor? Um, I think in the early days, it was financial planning. Um, being self-employed for the first time, understanding the, the tax liabilities, and saving enough rather than having that bill in January and going, oh, shit, where, where am I going to pay that, that bill from? Um, so, yeah, just, just not knowing enough about the finances at, at the outset, I guess. And do you think that's what kind of taking you down the path you're on now around the bookkeeping side of it? Yeah, it's something I've always had an interest in. Um, I almost did accountants at university, but went down different routes and then um, decided to sort of revisit that angle of profession, if you like. And yeah, it's just good to help other businesses and get them to understand so hopefully they don't make the same errors I did. 
I think it's interesting if you should line us up with each other because I was thinking about my biggest mistake as an instructor, and I think that one of my biggest mistakes was was listening to other people that were adamant about a certain thing with no nuance. You know, things like um, you never need to market, you just live off referrals, and all franchises are bad, and all this kind of stuff. And it was like black and white. And you know, you've said about. Uh, the financial planning side and that's the path you've taken and for me i've taken the path of i want to give information i want to give both sides of the story i want to let people choose and that you mm-hmm. know i find it interesting that we speak about those mistakes it's kind of parallel what we, we've done going forward but do you think that you know looking at that as we when we came into industry as instructors and, and instructors come into industry now do you think they look at the job as a business do you think that, it, or do you think that's a weak point in the initial? People don't view it like they're running a business. Yeah, no. I would say people generally come in just thinking it's a job, probably knowing that they're going to work for themselves. But um, I think even those initially that come in and take a franchise from the other days don't see themselves still as self-employed or having their own business. Uh, and I guess that, that was sort of one of the reasons of writing the book in the first place, is because we, we get you part one, you part two, part three training, but there's a very little business training. Um, so just because you're a good instructor doesn't mean you're great at business. Why Why do you think there's a little training? Because a lot of people obviously come in through franchises and so forth. And, mm-hmm. you know, I people know I came in through Red and I'm going to be very careful what I say here. Um, it, I got some, but I had to learn a lot for myself as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, in your opinion, why do you think there's so little provided? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I guess it could be the fact of like when when you join a franchise, they want you to stay there. They don't want you to go off and set up on your own. Uh, especially the big national franchises, you 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 build plants, your own, you. I guess the SM and AA that were back in the day, um, they're charging quite high fees, and they want you to stick around. So, I guess. For, for them, the last thing they want you to do is to leave and, and be successful on your own. They want to, to rely on, on them to a certain extent. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the guys that come in by themselves, so maybe the people not going into a franchise that are coming in independent or, or or whatever it may be, do you think that there's just not the realisation of what it actually entails? Because, you know, you look at the, the stereotype of a driving instructor, you don't think business person. You think, you know, a middle-aged white dude that just drives people about for a bit. Do you, yeah, yeah. Do you think that it's that perception is actually has an I- impact on that? Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, I, um, I think a lot of do see it as, yeah, just turn up, get the car, do some lessons, go on. They don't even consider the, the, the wider things, sort of like you mentioned before about marketing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not for everyone. It's not needed by everyone. It's and I guess the amount you need it is different at different times of your business and what you try to achieve. Um, but yeah, very majority of people, I would say, do just get up, get in the car, go home, job done. Yeah. But coming back to your book then, because you mentioned that, um, you know, that part of the reason for writing that book, but what what was the big thing that made you write this specific type of book? Because it, as we said, it's about, the well it's called are you ready for business and i think that kind of mm-hmm. sums up what it's about so what actually drove you excuse upon drove you to write in this book <laughs> um, it was a bit of a lockdown project to be honest so my background is i'm a training instructor i've still got my badge i don't teach anymore but it's still there at the moment and um, 
taught since 2005. Like everybody else, come with COVID, I wasn't working. It was around that time that I qualified as a bookkeeper, uh, as a bookkeeper and it was sort of a grad, gradual transition between the two businesses. It was really just just thinking back to those early days. Like I said before, you, you get training to do part one, two, and three, and then things stop, and you either just go it alone, go for a front, uh, go independent straight away, which very few do. The majority go for a franchise, and it's, it's looking at okay, why are people doing that? And it's really just lack of education, and um, so it's really just to fill that gap. It's not there as a answer every single question, but hopefully it's enough to sort of give you some pointers in the right directions and things to consider. So do you go franchise? Do you go and do what the pros and cons of each? What do you do when you buy your first car? Do you lease it? Do you buy it? Uh, and it's hopefully just to give those new into the industry. Uh, and like you said, people who have been there uh, for a number of years, that bit more of an insight onto the business side of things. I mean, I said this about a few things recently, actually, but the, the I re- reading this book, it's like I learned something new. I learn a different way of looking at something and I get reassurance knowing that I'm doing something right. And I yeah. think when something ticks all three of those boxes, it's it's a, a really good uh, resource. And, and that's what I got from this. But I kind of want to come, and I know I'm talking generally here when I say this stuff, but I kind of want to come back to that, that general driving instructor aspect. And it, it feels to me like you're addressing in this book a lot of the mistakes that instructors make. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the areas where instructors struggle. So do you want to just give the people listening kind of an idea of, of some of, you know, those weak points that we've got, if you think, from your perspective, at least? Yeah. So it's where to start. There's so many little areas you, you could go down. Um, I think for me, one, one of the big things is your, your car. Like I mentioned, just people don't always understand the difference between renting or, or leasing a car or going out and buying a car. And sometimes that right, I go out, I spend five thousand pounds on a deposit for a new car. That's going to come off my accounts. It's not. It, it goes to the capital allowance. Which I'm not going to go into the, the details of that today, but it's helping people to understand those those different options. Also, misinformation. So quite often, um, I get pulled into to debates on Facebook about people going, "Oh, I, I claim uh, by mileage," which for a general company car or a business user is quite acceptable. Um, but HMRC specifically stating it, it's easy to find on the Gov UK website. Driving instructors can't use a simplified mileage scheme. The point that you've got dual controls in your car makes it uh, a plant and machinery rather than a vehicle for, for, for tax purposes. So, yeah, you can't use that simplified. You've got to go down the capital allowance route or you can you can lease a car, which is a little bit simpler to explain. It's just that then the cost of your lease gets taken off your, uh, your profit for the year. Um, so it's, it's a little bit easier to understand. And again, we could go in, into loads of detail. It's something to talk about for hours, I guess. I mean, just that example there on the mileage, for, for example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if someone's accountant, has told them that they're allowed to claim that mileage, which obviously you're now you're saying they can't. How would you respond to that person? Because they've been given, as you said, misinformation by their accountant mm-hmm. on that. Um, it's pretty clear. And there's been a number of times I've just taken a screenshot of the, the, the Gov UK page and it, it's quite a bold statement. It says, yeah, cars fit to the dual controls, can't use the simplified mileage scheme. Obviously, it's then up to them how, how they interpret that and, and what they do and go back to their accountant and how that's dealt with. I think the problem lies is because the majority of accountants don't deal with driving instructors or they might only deal with two or three 
So they, they, they just deal with it in the same way that they deal with any other clients. As in fact, it's, it's sort of a, a totally different kettle of fish. And you're sort of specialist in this area, aren't you? Yeah, it's, it's the background you've come from. So um, I, I still own a driving school now. I've got a few instructors that work for me in, in the local area. Um, and it's something I've been quite passionate about, making sure we get that information right so everyone's uh, seeing off the same entry. And I think now is probably the key time to look at the tax. We're coming into a new tax year. We're in April now. And we're somewhat like that. So, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're now panicking and thinking, crap, I've been, you know, looking at my mileage this way for forever, mm-hmm. would you just be sort of immediately advising them that they have, at the very least, have a discussion with their accountant about this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, like I said before, a lot of the accountants are a bit naive that they don't know that information and you don't know what you don't know at times. If you've always dealt with regular business users, you've never really had the need to search out why would it be different for a driving school? Most people wouldn't know that. So, yeah, it's time to have a conversation and make them aware. And there's adjustments that can be made. So it's not like a big panic. You're not going to get HMRC knocking on the door. Um, but it's important you have that conversation so things are, are made right and, and that, that accountants continue to do the right thing in the future. Do you know, it's a, a very, I don't know what phrase, it's maybe a personal question from my perspective because <laughs> whenever I do my tax, uh, I always panic. I mean, look, we've had this discussion recently about how unorganized I am with stuff and I lose stuff and, and stuff gets mislaid, receipts and whatnot. And there's been times I've put my tax in late, all this kind of stuff. And yeah. I always have this panic that I'm going to wind up in jail because I've lost a receipt or, <laughs> or something like that. And realistically, I would imagine you'd have to do something pretty significant for for. Like, obviously, you can get fined and stuff, but you'd have to do something pretty significant for any drastic action to be taken like that. Yeah, it's it's really rare that as a small business owner, you're going to get prosecuted. Um, if HMRC, and they do random spot checks, and traditionally, they used to do quite a lot with driving trucks because it was a very uh, cash-heavy business. Um, I know a lot of instructors have gone more onto car payments and online payments bank transfers over recent years. I guess mainly COVID sped that up a bit. But yeah, it's just about having some sort of paper trail. Um, and I guess going back to simple things like making sure you've got a separate bank account. Um, it doesn't need to be a business bank account. It's just a separate account in your name so that you can see exactly the ins and outs. Things aren't murky. Because if HMRC come along and you're trying to show a personal statement and you're, well, that was me, that was the missus, that was something else, and it, it gets really hard to, to to justify your income and expenditure. So at that point, then you might end up with an adjusted tax bill, uh, uh, an extra um, extra tax down the line. Worst case, a small penalty. But I would imagine it's just really going to be um, expenses that if you can't prove them, you're not got a paper paper trail. They're probably going to disallow them. Yeah, and and then I suppose above all else, it's the hassle and the stress that goes with that. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a big thing. But, I mean, you mentioned there about tax, and I think you mentioned digital. We're heading that way now, aren't we? So everything's got to be more digital tax-wise. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah, a bit of a delay. It should have been right now, April 23, was going to be the big start date, and then it was put back and back. And I believe at the minute it's going to be from 2026 with sole traders. It's a bit different if you've back registered. That's already happened. So if you've back registered, then you need to go tax digital now. But I can't imagine too many sole instructors 
are that registered. There's no real benefit. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a bit bit away yet, but we're still encouraging, um, especially the driving instructor clients, to try and go down the digital route. Um, just keeps everything tidy. If, if you get the software, it doesn't have to cost the one. You can you can get some software for sort of five ten quid. Uh, if you've got a NatWest business account as well, they do a free agent subscription for free. It's included in your cost, so it's it's not an expensive uh, avenue. But with that, it attaches your bank feeds attached to your, your uh, accounting software, so it's really easy to just mark things off as they come along. Come along, attach the receipts, mark down your income. But then also you can keep a track of your accounts more easily um, on a regular basis throughout the year. You can look how you do and you can start to put your tax away rather than getting to the end of the 12 months. Or even still like, no, no you're just saying we're starting a new tax year. Um, it hasn't officially got to be filed until the 31st of January next year. And a lot of people are waiting, 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 waiting. Whereas if, it's, if you're using that software, it's really easy to keep up to date. And then within sort of a couple of months, generally my soldiers trade the clients by May, June time, we've got everything done and dusted and they know what the tax liability is and they're all ready to go for the next year. Yeah, I feel personally attacked there, Dave. I feel personally <laughs> attacked. Um, I've, I've been there, I've done it when I first started as an instructor because it is all those jobs you put off. You go out and you, you do your lessons in a day and I've been there back in the early days for our kids. I was doing maybe eight, ten lessons a day um, which a lot of people are proud about, but I think we've all been done that and done it at some point. And the last thing you want to do is come back and sort your receipts out or get your bank statements out at the end of the month and, and reconcile them. So I've been there and done it and left it till January and then go, oh, look at where I'm, where I'm going to get money from the tax bill from. So we just want to try and help people to avoid that. I admit, look, I am better than I used to be, but I used to be atrocious and now I'm just <laughs> bad, I think. Um, but I mean, I think that's a, something I actually want to just touch on for a second is the idea of paying for your tax and how you pay for your tax. Because I know when I first started, I had this mentality that I know a lot of instructors have, which is I'll fix it later, you yeah. know, and that you get find out what your tax bill is and then you somehow magic this money from somewhere. And we always mm-hmm. manage to find it from somewhere, but that's an awful lot more stressful than it needs to be. And then I went through the process of, well, I know roughly how much my tax has been for the last couple of years, so I'll just divide that and, you know, save up monthly or weekly or whatever, and, and I've got a better way of doing it now. But do you think that it's important that we at least make some kind of plan to start putting that payment away early rather than waiting until end? Yeah, absolutely. As, as a general guide, we'd say um, whatever you take in in a week, if you put sort of 20 to 25% of that away, put in an ISA or a high-value savings account, something that you don't need to touch for a little while. It, it, it is hopefully more than what you're going to pay, but at least then it's sat there and it's ready as soon as the tax bill's in, you can pay it off straight away. You're not going to be panicking and you're hopefully going to make a little bit of interest if you put a bit too much in. Hopefully at the end of the year, you've got a couple of hundred quid, you can do what you want, go out for a nice meal or whatever. Um, but yeah, but we always try and encourage people to put it away regularly. Yeah. And I don't want to get too much more into the tax because uh, we can let people into a little bit of an exclusive now in that uh, you've agreed to come and do one of my expert sessions for me over in uh, the Instructor Podcast Premium, and that's going to be in June, and it's going yeah. to be around tax and uh, letting people... I know you're going to have a little presentation, but it's going to be more based on a and a so people can come and join that in June. But you were talking a little bit about cars before and how to choose a car, and I found the... The, the bit in your book around cars really interesting because I think it's weirdly something that's glossed over a lot. And I know it was glossed over for me, you know, when I, I started, and this isn't a criticism of Red, by the way, but I started with Red and they just gave me a car. 
You know, I had yeah. very little say in that. They had a way that I could pay extra, get my own car, whatever, but I had very little say in that. And I think that it's something that's glossed over, but it's something you go over quite comprehensively here. And why do you think that that is glossed over so much? I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the thing we use more than anything else is our car, but often it seems to be the thing we think about the least. Yeah. Um, again, it's one of those, I need a car, I'm just going to go out and get one. Um, or, or you might use the car that's already in your business. Uh, not in your business, sorry. The car that you had before you qualified and just stick the jewels in. Um, but it's quite quite often an afterthought. And to be honest, your accounts and your finances in general are. You sort of might get to the end of the first year and you might go, oh, I better find a bookkeeper or an accountant now. And I guess that's another myth. The sole trade is you don't always need an accountant. A, a well-qualified bookkeeper does everything that a sole trader could, could need. Um, but I think, yeah, people just put it off. It's not glamorous. It's not going to... It's not It's not like um, like your marketing. You go, all right, I'm going to spend 100 quid on advert because it's going to get me some more business. You know, if you, you you pay your accountant, your bookkeeper, you know, they're doing what needs to be done, but no one, no one wants it to be done. It's just got to be done. And I think that's the trouble. It's just an afterthought. And we're just taking a slight pause in the show to give a quick shout out to the latest members of the Instructor Podcast Premium, the latest guys to sign up, and they are Murray Eden, Sean, Alan, Sally Morley, Wayne Smith, and Slim Kirsten, and Tim Gibson. These guys immediately get access to over 90 exclusive shows, and that could be audio, video, content, and there's written content over there as well. They get access to that immediately to help them become better instructors, better coaches, and run better businesses. If those people have signed up to the interactive tier. They also get access to all the interactive content, including one that you guys may have heard recently, which was the breakdown of the first ever episode of the Instructor Podcast and also the green room with Bob Morton. So you can see some of the episodes that we are getting our premium members involved in. They would also get access to expert sessions, the most recent one being with Chris Benstead on how to teach roundabouts. Really big audience for that one and some awesome feedback. And the next one is going to be on May the 15th with Kevin Tracyfield giving us tips on how to help our students reduce those test day nerves. June, we'll see our very own Dave Shannon talking about tax. And in July, we're going to be joined by Ray Seagrave talking about the importance of rapport and how to build it up with your students. So if you want to get involved in any or all of this stuff, head over to www.theinstructorpodcast.com to find out more, potentially sign up. And if you would like to speak to me about it, feel free to drop me a message. But for now, let's dive back into the show. You know, just staying on the car for a second, you mentioned yeah. something in the book that I, I'm i a big believer in, and I always talk to my students about actually, because a lot of my students ask why I chose this car or whatever. They're always quite interested. And part of it always comes down to comfort. I'm potentially yeah. sat in that car, as you mentioned, you do the long days sometimes, whether we should do or not, you know, it's a different topic. But we can be in that car for quite a long time sometimes, in, in over a long period. And if you don't like it, or if it's not comfortable, then it's not a very nice place to be. And it, it's something that, that you mentioned in the book, and I was really pleased when I read it about that, taking into account how the car feels and how you're comfortable in it. Um, yeah. 
How important is that in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. I, I while I was teaching, I always felt like I went for decent cars. I had a couple of Fiestas, I had a couple of Audis, and um, my last car I had an electric Mini. And I, I always went just on, on that slightly nicer car because you get that comfort, you get the optional little extras, you get your air conditioning and things like that, which, yeah, they're all a bit of an extra cost. But uh, like you said, at the end of the day, you could be sat there for, for five, ten hours a day. Um, and it's managed because people will happily go out and spend thousands and thousands on a sofa that you're probably going to sit on for an hour a night. Whereas they sort of scrimp on the car that you're going to be sat in there for the majority of the day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that definitely is some consideration. Yeah. Um, although it does amuse me when you'll see someone that's got a brand spanking new like Audi or something like that, but the top box on top is that faded. You can't see the name. You can't see the L plate. Mm. But you know, I think that comes under, you know, a, a lot of what your book is anyway. I'm not saying you mentioned this in the book, but it's that idea of the presentation. And you'd get this car and you'd spend, you might spend ages choosing it, which is slightly contradictory to what I've just said, but you spend ages choosing it and then you get this naffy little top box. I mean, I'm due a new one, a new top box, but that's another story. But so, yeah, I think people's, as you said, you they'll spend that much time choosing and that much money on a sofa, but they don't put the same consideration into the business. And do you think that's just a little bit like you said with a tax? It's it's a thing they don't want to do. It's the thing that isn't enjoyable. They're doing it because it's a job, or they're doing it because they need to, rather than oh, well, how can I personalise this PC or whatever? Do you think there's an element of it's just a job there? Yeah, I think certainly to an extent, some instructors as well. It's easy just turn up. Yes, you can make it a, a decent living out of it by, by all means. And I totally understand some people will forego that comfort in the modern car because they want to earn a bit more money and a bit more profit at the end of it. And I get that too. It's a tough one, really. I guess, I guess it's awesome, of course, isn't it? Some some people are, are just not bothered. We'll get them whatever's going. I've known instructors run cars for like 200,000 miles and, and fair play to them it's kept their expenses down but then on the flip side it's um it's what you're comfortable in what your pupils are going to be comfortable in yeah um going back to the book then um you've got a section in the book on business plans and mm -hmm. and this intrigues me and i think it intrigues me because i think that when a lot of people think about a business plan, they assume that's something that Microsoft or Apple do. They don't assume it's something driving instructors should do. But mm -hmm. as we mentioned before, as a driving instructor, I know there are some exceptions, like instructors are employed, but 9% of instructors are self-employed. Yep. So I suppose there's a two-part question for you of, of what do you mean when you talk about a business plan and why do instructors need one? Okay. Um so a business plan doesn't need to be one piece. It doesn't need to be a massive essay. Um, you saw back in the day, people would be going to the bank with pages and pages of paper. Um, it's just about having that goal and that target. Where do you want to take your business? Um, generally, we start with probably a three-year plan. Um, what I always advise is start at the furthest point away and then work backwards. So where do you see yourself and your business in three years? So... For some, they're quite happy to be um, just on their own, just making a decent living. So it might be they want to see the turnover increase. So it's looking at, okay, so where can I increase costs? How can I add value to the business? It might be someone who wants to build a school. Um, that was always one of my things. I started working for a local school when I first qualified. But I always had that vision of building my own school. So it's okay. In three years' time, where, where do you want your business to be? 
we want five instructors, we want ten instructors. And then it's working backwards then. So, okay, in 12 months' time, what, what can I be doing now? So that in 12 months' time, I've maybe got my first instructor, maybe two or three, or I've got one in training. And then working back there, so 90 days, what do I need to do? Okay, so I probably need to learn how to train instructors, or I need to sort of find an instructor train I'll do that on my behalf. 30-day plan then, coming forward, to, it's doing that bit of research. To, to seven days is just... You basic formation ideas and it's just taking all those longer term visions and then work backwards and make little decisions on how you're going to reach that point so as I say a business plan hasn't got to be massively in detail um, I think there are some templates downloaded in the book I can provide a link for those um, and just keep review, reviewing it um, so with your shorter targets your 7 day, 30 days you've got to keep reviewing those on a regular basis but your 12 months maybe six months down the line, jumping, okay, how, how am I doing compared to those targets? What what have I done? And most people, I'm going to be honest, won't do anything. They write these big goals down, yeah, I'm going to achieve this, and then six months down, I go, I'm no closer than I was before. So it is about having a bit of drive as well to to to, um, to follow up on your plans, because if you don't, nothing's going to happen. Um, and it's just constantly having that fresh in your mind, I guess. Yeah, I think you make some really good points there, and, and one particularly powerful bit is like that. What can I do now? Aspect. I mean, um, just to let you on the you know all the listeners into a little secret. Um, a lot of people will be aware that my life changed significantly last year, and uh, divorce, bereavements, move home, all that kind of stuff. And early on in this year was when I had to completely reevaluate my business and life plan, and. If anyone sees anywhere like a, a little phrase or a hashtag that's hashtag Terry45, that's mm-hmm. my five-year plan. I've got a five-year plan of where I'm going to be at 45, what I'm going to do. And it's essentially how I run my day. My day is, mm-hmm. is this conducive to my Terry45 or not? And yeah. that's how I'm that's how I'm focused at the minute. It's very much like laser focus. And I don't think that's judgmental on anyone because if someone's three or five or ten year plan is that they just they they want to be delivering driving lessons sort of nine till five and chilling on sofa with family and evening and weekend. Nothing's wrong with that, but that's your plan. So what are you doing towards that plan? Or vice versa, if you're planning world domination, what are you doing towards that? Um and you mentioned there about the resource you offer. It's something I noticed in the book. I should have mentioned it earlier actually is um there's lots of uh, sort of downloadable links you've got in there. So, you know, bonus content and bonus resources as well. What was mm-hmm. the idea behind that? Is that just giving people a bit extra? Yeah, because um, it's easy to talk about things like, like we said about the business plan there. But it's the reality of actually making that work and actually doing something about it. Uh, and the really easy things you can just download and print them off. It's four or five sheets of paper and you can just keep updating, updating, updating. Uh, and it's... It's about making it accessible. It, the page, you could literally get five pieces of paper and put the headings on. It's, it's just trying to make it as easy as possible for people to, to be able to do it. I think that's the key is get out there, have a go. There's no right or wrong with, the, with your business plan. It's your ideas. It's what you want to achieve. I keep asking you this question, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong to do so. I don't know. But do you think that's something that's missing in a lot of our industry, that that business plan aspect of it. 
Yeah, I think I think it's just that drive. Like, like we talked about at the beginning, people don't see themselves as business owners. Even those that go oh, yeah, self-employed, they don't realize, yes, I've got a business. And it, and at the end of the day, a business aim is to make profit. Wherever that might be, you're winding down to retirement. You see a lot of older instructors who have had great jobs, maybe they may be redundant, and they just want a few quid to go on holiday every year. Great. Your plan might be, okay, I want to have an extra week's holiday next year. I'm going to achieve that. You might be at the early end. I was 25, I think, when I started as an instructor. Um, so for me, it was to create a, a decent ways that I could support a family growing up. Um, so, so it's totally individual. But yeah, it's people got to realise that they've got a business and what they're going to do with it. I think it's fascinating. And, uh, you know, my example here will be this podcast. You know, this podcast doesn't make me any money. It's a hobby. It's not a business. If it was mm-hmm. a business, it would be a money. The Instructor Podcast Premium, which is a membership, that earns me money. That That's a business. But this podcast, you know, if that business was to die, I would continue mm-hmm. doing this podcast as my hobby. And yeah. I think that, that that's the difference between the two as I see it. Does that sound sort of a good summary of that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think sometimes you do things just for the love of it, don't you? Yeah. Um, and if, if it's something you enjoy doing, then, then great. Obviously, if it can make you a bit of money on the side, then even better. But yeah, I think you've, you've really got to, got to enjoy what you're doing. And just to put you on the spot a little bit, what what could we do to improve this industry? So for people coming into the industry, anyone coming in new, to get them looking at this more, the, the more business side of it, like they're owning the business, what could the likes of me and you do? I know that we have, you've obviously got your bookkeeping service and there's obviously a there's podcast and whatnot, but what can we actually do? Is Have you got any ideas around that? I think it's, it's getting the business process it integrated and in, in almost, maybe not the qualification process, but those training providers, getting those to include some sort of um, business training within what they're doing. Um, I know Chris Benstead's looking at things like that. I know Lou and Blaine Walsh include some of those elements in, in their course. And I'm sure there's others that do, but um, I guess ultimately it's, it's getting the industry as a whole to recognise this should be a part of training. It's not just about training to be instructor, it's training to be a business owner. No, I'd agree. Um, and uh, we can shout from the rooftops as much as we want, but you know, I think that you're right, we need... I suppose anyone that's that's training someone to involve that one way or another, uh, mm-hmm. rather than you know come and train with me for hundred quid and I'll teach you everything you need to know. <laughs> um, I want to I want to talk a little bit about the the, the bookkeeping side of stuff because uh, you mentioned this before about the bookkeeping and accountants. Um, what's the difference between a bookkeeper and an accountant? Um, so everyone sees the accountant as like the go to person. It's quite people say, Oh, you're in business, you need an accountant. An accountant can give tax advice. So, if, if you're making huge profits, so like the small and medium sized businesses are, are going to have hundreds of thousands, spare, they can give advice on, okay, well, you could invest in this and that, or we could make it more tax efficient by putting it here and wrapping things up and, and that sort of thing. Um, accountants are great with that. Um, there's different levels of bookkeepers, so it's important to do your research. Um, so myself, I'm with the ICB, which is the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers, um, and 
I'm as qualified as you can be with them. So I can do anything for, for small businesses, submit your self-assessments. I can prepare limited company accounts, but I can't file them yet. That has to go through, the, through an accountant. But for your day-to-day tasks, a bookkeeper does absolutely everything. Certainly as a driving instructor that you would need. So what would your average ADR use you for? Um. It's just keeping things up to date, asking questions. I think it's important to have that. Um, have someone there that you can just come to. You know, Listen, I'm going to buy a new car. I'm thinking of this. Or I might rent, lease it. And it's, it's someone to run options by. So having sort of an ear to chew, if you like. And then just being on top of the accounts, so sort of a mid-year checkup and go, okay, how things are going this year? Let's look at the accounts. Sort of mid-year profit and loss. So you've got, got an idea where your tax is. And then at the end of the year, getting stuff done relatively quickly um, rather than sort of dragging it out. Uh, and sometimes just having that accountability, someone saying to you, come on, end the year's here now, let's get these accounts done. Um, so certainly for us, as a relatively small practice. We've got that time to, to spend with the clients and we can say, yeah, come on, it's April now, you finish your tax year, where's, where's your stuff? Rather than wait until December or January. Um, I searched on the new tax year, the 6th of April. I never knew I'd got to search it. It's actually 300 days to get your tax return in, which which is massive. So you can either spend 300 days doing nothing than having a big panic at the end, or you can spend it proactively getting your stuff done and getting on top of things and have everything filed in line, know what your tax is, and, and you can relax almost. And that's what we try and do for the clients. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to let, uh, focus on some other way that my brain works at the minute, which is um, I look after Terry on Friday. So I don't want Terry on Friday, which is usually my day off, to have a, a stress day off. I want him to have a day off that he's going to enjoy. But if I put stuff off through the week, and I'm going to have to do it on Friday. And Terry on Friday is going to be annoyed about that. So <laughs> I look after Terry on Friday so I can have that nice Friday. And that's how I view everything. That's what you're saying there. I'm looking after Terry in January by doing yeah. that stuff now and and it was he did amuse me slightly there with the old uh, the accountability comment because uh uh <laughs> following our discussion the the email i got from you the other day saying um if i haven't replied to it by this day as discussed i will give you a little nudge for yep yeah that's exactly <laughs> what i need um but again i'm going to put you on the spot slightly and apologies for keep doing this day but why should people use you why should driving instructors come to you what do you do you know what I mean? Rather than going to someone else, why should they come to you? Okay. Um, it's it's just our background. Yeah, I've come from a driving instructor background for, two, let's say, 2007, uh, sorry, 2005 we qualified. So I know the business side of things. I've been there, I've done it. I've been a, a franchise um, instructor. I've, I still own a franchise, so I, I know what's going on in the business. Um, I understand the day-to-day things um i know there are regulations that a lot of accountants don't seem to judging on a lot of the comments that, that go along on facebook um it's just having an expert on your side and um, majority of bookkeepers i know i haven't got any driving instructor clients i might have one so again you fall down that bit forward do they know everything that's relevant to your business which we do um and I just want to come back to the, the book for, an, for another moment. Because, uh, this book it was first published in 2021, and you kind of told mm-hmm. us why you did it. It was just like, a few kind of reasons there. Um, what what feedback have you had on the book so far? Um, really good. Um, 
it's, it's a mix of I've had new instructors that are going through the qualifying process. So like we give it to our ADI or PDIs as, as they go through the journey. Uh, and and even experienced ADIs with sort of years of experience have still taken something from it. Because like you say, quite often you get in the car and you just crack on being an instructor. You don't think about the business side of things. Uh, and there's little bits in there for, for everyone. So some of it, yes, as an experienced instructor, um, the, the qualifying process isn't relevant to you. Fine, you can gloss past that. But there's bits about advertising and marketing to capital allowances on your cars to how your self-assessment's worked out. So there's a little bit for everyone. Yeah, I mean, it kind of covers five key topics. So getting started, the business plan, the marketing, the finances and health and well-being. And I was really pleased to see someone health and well-being as well. That actually cheered me up quite a bit. Um, is there anything else you'd add on? So now it's sort of two years down from writing it. If Is there a like a, a part six in there that you'd add on? Or do you think that as it is now still stands? I think maybe a little bit of planning for um, the unexpected. I think I do gloss over it in, in the book a little bit because obviously it was written in COVID, so there's a little bit of a mention to, to that in there. But yeah, just um, I'll probably go into a bit more detail on, on the financial planning for, for, for individuals. Um, the majority of it still stands out as it is. I think probably in 10 years' time, the majority of it is still going to be relevant. But yeah, just just... A bit more updates on the planning side of things and preparing for the worst, I guess. Is there anything else you want to touch on today around sort of the, the, the business, the basics of running a driving school, if you like? I think it's just, just don't be afraid to ask questions. But find people that you trust in business, which can be difficult. Um, even in our business now, we work with different people, we work with a business coach, um, we work with marketing people, because you can't do everything on your own. And it's important to look at when you do those, that business plan and those bigger goals to go, okay, so what, what can I do? But also, what can't I do? Um, an example, when I first started my own driving school, it's like, oh, I'm not going to spend a few hundred quid on a website. So I, I taught myself how to code a website. It sort of it did the job, but it wasn't great. And it's important to recognize those times where it's like, okay, I could do it, but do I really want to be doing it? Or could someone do it better? Yeah, something a little bit more efficient. But I guess going off on a tangent, it's something, um, a comment you, you made earlier on um, about the, the targets, about having that focus. Was it Terry 45? Terry 45, yeah. Yeah, I, I've sort of got off on tangent a bit from where we were. There's an um, Olympic athlete, um, trying to remember his name, Ben Hunt Davis, I think it was. Um, he had this, this talk, it was, will it make the boat go faster? He was part of an Olympic team and they had an awful Olympics, um, really bad results. So for the next four years, that team, their mantra was, will it make the boat go faster? So every decision they make, it's like, okay, try that. They will go down the pub. Will, will it make the boat go faster? No. Okay, let's skip the pub. We'll be ready for training a bit earlier on Saturday. Yeah, should, should we do this? Should, should we go to the gym or should we go for a run? What's going to benefit us most? I know this isn't related to... to our businesses as such, but it's just constantly thinking of, okay, here's what I'm doing now useful to our end results. So looking at your business plan, if you've got in 12 months, you want to be first PDI, is the courses you're in, is the people you're talking to, the right people that are going to help you to get there? Or are you wasting your time? Or could someone, could, could someone be helping you to get along that path a bit quicker? 
I actually think that is massively related to our business because I think it relates to any business. You know, it's that even just to the premise of you've got a lesson at eight o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. let's not get leather tonight. You know, yeah. what's going to help you deliver that lesson better? And um, I forget what podcast I heard it on, but I had a brilliant phrase the other day. And, uh, um, decide what you're going to be shit at. If you're struggling, decide what you're going to be good at. Decide what you're going to be crap at. So, you mm-hmm. know, I mentioned before about Terry 45. I'm trying not to make this a podcast about me. But, <laughs> but it's like my priorities over the next couple of years, at least, it's around business. It's around, you know, growing my business, my driving school, the podcast, all this kind of stuff. And it's around my physical and mental health as well. Yeah. So there's other stuff that's pushed aside. And I'm consciously choosing that I'm not going to be very good in these areas because. I won't have time to put on everything. So I'm going to have to sacrifice time from A, B, and C to put into D, E, and F. And I think that that ties in with what you're saying. You know, Do you want to deliver the best driving lesson you can? Right, well, is getting levered going to contribute towards that? Is getting a good night's sleep going to contribute towards that? And that's not saying you can never have a late night. It's saying that what are you going to do consistently? So I genuinely think that's a really good, point you made and you know it's it's always interesting when uh i can tell what what quote i'm going to use from the show and it's it's going to be that it's asking people you trust um because everyone says ask questions i love the fact you put that caveat on there because you mentioned before about some of the accountants that are giving bad advice and you go on a facebook group and ask a question and watch what answers you get so Where's the best place to find people you can trust, Dave? <laughs> There's a question for you. Yeah. It, it's, it's, well, some of it's going to be ask ask other professionals around you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's doing your research a bit. Um, I suppose it depends what you're looking for, isn't it? It's like when people want a trade, like a plumber or a builder, you, you always ask your mates first. Or looking for a, a plumber, do you recommend anyone? And it's it's no different. Yes, yeah, speak to all the people who are successful in the field you're in. Okay, how did, and that question: How did you get to where you are now? Because um, the majority are quite happy to tell you and to share their experience. So they might say, oh, "Well, I spent X amount of time with a, a, a business coach," and they might share those details with you. And it's 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 looking for those people who are already at success and and are where you want to be. Um, and ask them for for a starter, I guess. Yep. Yeah, uh, and uh, just a, a cheap plug for a second for anyone listening. I think there's about 122 episodes of this podcast now, and there's a shed load of experts on there, including yourself, Dave. So uh, we can find these uh, these people. Um, all right. So uh, last couple of questions that we like to finish on. Um, what is your ultimate driving song that I'm going to add to the Instructor Podcast Spotify playlist? Okay. So I didn't want to go down the cheesy route and the sort of things everyone would go for. Um, there's a band probably most people have heard called Greta Van Fleet. Um, been around a few years now. They've got a great song called Highway Tune. Right. Certainly want to, to, yeah, to get you nodding along. Well, it's not often someone names a tune that I haven't heard before, so I'll look forward to digging that one out. Uh, and you can either expect a very positive or a very negative message later on. <laughs> um and then the other question is, uh, this podcast, uh, if you find it on Spotify, you can find, they put polls and questions up on there. So is there a question or a poll you'd like us to put on Spotify aimed at uh, the driving instructor audience? Yeah. Yeah. I guess when did you ask them 
Yeah, when did you? What month did you submit your last tax return in? Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I'll put that up, and we'll see how that goes. All right. So, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you uh, to get more um, Dave Shannon goodness? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, business is Driverhead Bookkeeping. Uh, website is driverheadbookkeeping.co.uk. Um, contact details there, emails, phone numbers. Um, and the book is on Amazon only. So you can either download it as a Kindle or you can order it. And it's, are you ready for business? Awesome. Uh, and as always, you'll be able to find links for that in the show notes uh, and on the transcript transcript blog even uh, over on the instructorpodcast.com website. Uh, and as we mentioned before, you'll uh, be joining us again in June to deliver the uh, the expert session. Are you looking forward to that one? Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to, um, yeah, get, get a good presentation and get a good crowd. Yep. Uh, excellent. Well, uh, thank you for sharing your time today. As always, it's been a, a, an absolute pleasure. Yeah, no problem at all. Cheers, Terry. Thank you. So a big thank you to, to Dave Shannon there. I, uh, another episode I really enjoyed recording and listening back to, and I hope you guys did too. It was uh, it was good to get into the kind of the fundamentals of, of running a driving school business. And I would very much appreciate your feedback if you would like more episodes like this around some of the, the, the business side of becoming a driving instructor. But as mentioned in the show there, you'll have heard it, Dave is coming on in June to talk about tax, uh, the do's and don'ts for driving instructors, what we can and can't claim for. He's going to be delivering a presentation followed up by taking your questions. To get access to that and the other expert sessions we have coming up, you'll need to sign up to the Instructor Podcast Premium. Head over to www.theinstructorpodcast.com or you can check out the links in the show notes and uh, sign up over there for £22 a month. You get access to all the expert sessions, you get all the interactive content, you get all the merchandise, and you get all the exclusive shows we do as well. If you don't want the interactive stuff, you can just sign up for £10 a month, and that gives you all the pre-recorded podcasts, all the exclusive shows, and you get all the discounts with Go Roadie, Client Set of Learning, the ADI PDI Doctor, San Harpel's Mindfulness Courses, and of course, Coaching for Geeks Turbo. Now, you may have noticed this week there is no bonus bit at the end with another driving instructor. I was a bit behind this week, but they will be back soon. However, next week... I am going to be live at the Intelligent Instructor and ADI NJC conference on Sunday the 23rd. So there will be a slightly different episode out next week. And I will uh, I will leave that there and you guys can find out what that is. But for now, I just want to say have an awesome day. And remember, if you're not enjoying your lessons, you're doing it wrong. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.